Neminim videru nisi solum Jesum. We saw no one but only Jesus. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Ghost. Amen. Today's Feast of the Transfiguration, as we heard in the refectory recently, is a new feast. It, that is to say, in much of the Latin Church, it was only introduced uh, in the Middle Ages, even the late Middle Ages. But it's a very significant feast nonetheless. Many of the new feasts are the ones that uh, present to us the choicest of graces. We can think of the Feast of the Most Sacred Heart of Jesus, uh, or even the Feast of Corpus Christi, which, relatively speaking, is a new feast. And many of these feasts, falling in the season after Pentecost, recall to us mysteries which we celebrated earlier in the year, but they allow us to linger with them in the brightness of the resurrection and the Pentecost, and this is the case with today's feast. We heard the Gospel of the Transfiguration on the second Sunday of Lent as we were journeying towards the Passion, and that would seem to be the place where chronologically it seems to fit. But as with many of the other mysteries that we celebrate at that time of year, we aren't able to take it all in then, just as we need Corpus Christi so that we can go back and reflect on what happened in the Seneca on Holy Thursday, just as we need the Feast of the Sacred Heart so that we can go back and reflect on what we witnessed on Good Friday, so too we have this Feast of the Transfiguration to allow us to revisit that scene that we contemplated in Lent, to revisit it in the light of Easter glory, to revisit it with the Alleluia that makes its appearance in the responsories and the versicles of today's office. This in itself highlights to us the significance of this feast. It's a Paschal feast, if you will, one of those great feasts of the Lord, which the Church wants to celebrate with the highest solemnity. And so we linger today with this mystery of the Transfiguration, this mystery that was witnessed by the Apostles Peter, James, and John. And Peter has left to us his record of it that we heard in the Epistle of today's Mass. And St. John doesn't speak of it in his Gospel, not directly anyway although it certainly must have been in his mind when he wrote in the prologue, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. The glory is of the only begotten Son from the Father. It was in the transfiguration that St. John first saw the glory of the word incarnate, shining through his human nature. We contemplate this feast today, and we contemplate in it the whole itinerary of our monastic vocation. This gospel is one in which every line is significant. Every sentence could be the subject of hours of meditation. And so we can briefly consider the path that this gospel sets before us as it applies to our lives. <clears throat> Jesus took the apostles in Monte Mekshelsum Seorsum. He led them into a high mountain apart in calling us to the Christian life, God calls us out of the world already. In calling us to the monastic life, he leads us apart in a particular way onto a high mountain. He leads us apart from that which is familiar, from that which is comfortable, from that with which we might be at home. He leads us apart in order to draw us to himself. And St. Luke says, why it was that he went up into the mountain. 
Uturaret. St. Matthew doesn't give that detail, although uh, even in his gospel it's clearly implied that Jesus is going up to the mountain to be alone with the Father. And St. Luke says, he went into the high mountain to pray, and while he prayed, his face was transfigured and shone like the sun. We are called out, we are taken up the mountain in order to share in the prayer of Jesus. He is the one who prays. And we are to share in his prayer. And this is what we do in the divine office, pray in the Psalms, which are the prayer of Christ. It's what we do above all in the Holy Mass, which is the prayer of Christ par excellence, offering his sacrifice to the Father. It's what we continue to do in adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. In adoration, we come before our Lord and we pray to him, yes, but we also join in his prayer to the Father, the prayer which he makes supremely in the Holy Mass and which is prolonged in his presence in the tabernacle and in the host exposed before our eyes in the monstrance. And as we join in his prayer, we behold the glory of his face, hidden under a sacramental veil, but shining through all the same if we look with the eyes of faith. We behold our Lord transfigured as we share in his prayer, and then we behold Moses and Elias, the Law and the Prophets. This is the experience of Lexio Divina, the Law and the Prophets coming to us and conversing with Jesus. We read the, the Law and the Prophets and the Psalms because it speaks to us of Christ. And so as we read the sacred text, we hear this conversation between Moses and Elias and our Lord upon the mountain. And in the contemplation of this, we cry out, Domine bonum est nosic esse, Lord, it is good that we are here. It is this which motivates all of us to make our profession of stability in the monastery. With all of the crosses and trials that, that it can involve, we choose to remain here, we choose to plant ourselves here by our profession because we know that it is good for us to be here. It is good for us to be here because Jesus is here, because it is here that we behold his face and that we hear his voice. And then the cloud descends, as it descended on the tabernacle in the wilderness, as it descended upon Solomon's temple. The cloud descends, this bright cloud, a bright cloud that reveals the presence of God, but a cloud all the same that conceals Jesus from their sight, it would seem. This is the obscurity of faith, the darkness of faith, the bright darkness of faith, we could say, into which the monk continues to journey throughout his life. As the soul draws closer to God, things can seem to become more and more obscure because we are relying more and more on the light of faith. And in that bright obscurity of the cloud, they then hear the Father's own voice. This is my beloved Son, ipsum audite, hear ye him. Hear ye him. Hearken, O my Son, to the precepts of thy Master, and incline the ear of thine heart. The monastic life is a continual inclining of our heart's ear so that we may hear him, and a continual tuning out of all the competing voices that might keep us from hearing him. And as we journey onwards, into that bright obscurity of the cloud, we hear less and less of the other voices, we listen to him, and we come to see only him. They saw no one but only Jesus. 
The monk, like anyone who is in love, has eyes only for his beloved. He has eyes only for Christ. They see no one but only Jesus. And he says to them, Rise and do not be afraid. And he leads them down the mountain, and he gives them this final warning. Nemini dixeritis visionem. Say, tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man has risen from the dead. We might think that having seen the vision, they are to go and announce it to all that they've seen, to, to, all, to all whom they meet, announce to everyone what it is that they've seen and heard. But our Lord jealously guards this secret. He wants them, as the scripture says, to, to guard the secret of the king. This is the silence of the monk holding in his heart what he has seen and heard. There will be moments when he is called upon to speak, when it's the will of God makes it clear that he is to share what he has heard, but for the most part the monk holds these things in silence, lovingly pondering them in his heart. Holding them in silence, donat amortuis surgat, until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. The monk knows that he cannot fully speak of these things in this life because he can't fully enjoy Christ's glory until he has partaken fully in his death and resurrection. Only in the light of glory, when we share in Christ's risen glory, will we be able to speak fully of these things that we have seen and heard. The monk knows that throughout his life he is journeying with our Lord to the cross, that he has to be a sharer by patience in the sufferings of Christ in order to become a partaker of his glory. The Kallax spoke of being partakers of his glory, and in so doing it reminds us of the conclusion of the prologue of the Holy Rule, which tells us that the way to that glory is to be sharers by patience in our Lord's sufferings. This, then, is our vocation, to be drawn apart by Jesus, to share in his prayer, to see his glory attested by the scriptures, the law, and the prophets, to cry out that it is good for us to be here in his presence and to persevere in his presence even when we are surrounded by the obscurity of the cloud, desiring to hear only him, to see only him, and then to hold his word in silence as we await the resurrection. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.